Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm testing my... uh, testing my spelling skills already <laughs> like peninsula p-e-n-i i'm like oh my god oh yeah so that's where i was at it's weird because you type in korean zombie drift it doesn't nothing comes up so mm-hmm. i i had to actually know how to spell peninsula <laughs> gotta start adding those um them tags to the yes. algorithm so it shows up yeah yeah <laughs> it's like come on literally every other app knows what i'm knows what i'm doing and or watching you should already yeah. have it predicted as to what i'm trying to look up right now Broke IMDb, imdb not giving a shit i see <laughs> oh my goodness you doing okay Pretty good, you know. Four days away from from the big day, so. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh. I got. I hope we're done. Like I'm. We're still looking up stuff. I'm like, we're done, aren't we? Like, aren't we done? Yeah. I thought we're done. <laughs> Why are we still looking up? Stuff? Yeah. But apparently not. Because we're not the, done. We're done. The order deadline was what yesterday by midnight. Yeah, I mean, I might I might make a stop at Target this week to see if there's anything. I think I have everything, but yeah, I should I have everything, but I want to go just to see if something else pops in. Like, oh, this might be nice, you know, just a little extra stuff. Yeah. Well, there's a very specific thing I was looking for for Yorick for stocking stuffer. Hmm. And I wasn't able to find it in store or specialty store or anywhere. So I had to actually order it on Amazon. It says it's supposed to be here sometime between the 23rd and 29th. But thankfully, because it's Yorick and he's been in on the know about Santa Claus for two years. So yeah. I'm, if it doesn't get here, it'll, it'll be like, hey, man, this is supposed to be in your stocking. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be like, oh, cool. And then that'll be it. Okay. Uh, luckily, uh, yeah. So that's where we're at. So before we get really into our very, very, very packed episode, because <clears throat> we've got a lot to talk about, <laughs> and a lot of it we've seen, you know, we've both seen. So which is awesome. Yeah. Um. But. <clears throat> I have to quickly talk about we finally watched a Christmas Chronicle or whatever it's called on Netflix yeah. with uh, Kurt Russell as Santa. So AKA, okay. a, AKA Mr. Nobody from the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. How I told York who it was. <clears throat> so we did that for family movie night. Both kids really enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. I think I'm, I feel like I missed like 10 or 15 minutes somewhere. Mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't remember what I was doing. 
I think I was just eating. I think that was it, but I don't know. Um, but anyways, <clears throat> it was cute. Yeah, yeah, kids will love it. If you haven't watched it, definitely, definitely should watch it with your kids. Okay. So fast forward to last night, Grace, I want to watch because they made a second one. When we watched the second one, and we watched the second one. York was at his mom's. So um, this time, this one had uh, Tyrese in it. I was like, oh, Roman's in this one with Mr. Nobody. So, oh, we try and do a Fast and Furious franchise. Tyrese. It looks like. <laughs> so this one, number 10, I guess, will be uh, going to the North Pole, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Turns out Mr. Nobody was just Santa after all, which is why he didn't die. So, okay. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> and then, so time, uh, he's, he's Santa. Yeah. And then, uh, so Belschnickel is the villain in this one. Because, well, let me rephrase it. There's actually a villain in this one. Um, and uh, Belschnickel's the villain. And uh, he basically does like a wormhole type thing and sends uh, the girl that was in the first one and uh, Tyrese's son that's in this one. He's a new character. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, in like this wormhole type thing, sends him to the North Pole and whatnot. He wreaks havoc on, you know, Santa's village or whatever, whatnot, with turns the elves evil and wreaking havoc and tearing up the place, whatever. So in trying to fix everything, well, he's in in order to do that, he shoots. It's like this blue powdery type stuff, shoots it out the cannons and all that, and that's what this dust kind of turns these elves evil, or just turns them into mischievous. There we go, not evil, but mischievous. Okay. So then Santa has to go get the star that's on top of the tree that's taken from, like, the star of Bethlehem or something. I don't know. It's some whatever. It's the MacGuffin of the movie, really. And so they, it's the thing they have to go get. So the the person that plays Belsnickel is Julian. I'm not going to remember his name already. I remember his first name is Julian. He played Fire Fist in Deadpool 2. So he was the kid from Deadpool 2. Okay, okay. Um, That's uh, from New Zealand. He was in Hunt for the Wilder People with Sam Neill that um, Taika Waititi directed. Um, Great movie. I haven't watched it. Um, I think it's on Prime. Prime or Hulu 1, I thought I saw it on. Um, It's a great movie, too. Good character piece. Um, But yeah, he plays the villain in it. And he puts this, like device that he invented that basically sent Santa and the two kids back in time to 1990 and mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is finally get I'm finally getting to the whole point of this entire is to tell this one what I like to think is a good story slash joke um, is that he they go they wind up back in Boston 1990 which is where Christmas spirit had its lowest or one of its lowest peaks I guess and so there's no Christmas spirit, the reindeer won't fly. So basically Santa will be grounded. So I said, okay. I said, damn, they're in Boston in 1990. So man, I said, they, I said, it's a shame they're not in DC. I said, in DC, they really could have helped out. I said, cause, uh, you know, all kinds of planes were, were grounded because of a winter storm that arrived and then was, um, overtaken by, I said that then it was overtaken by a terrorist who then, uh, you know, who then was basically trying to hold the uh, airport hostage with having to, you know, all these planes trying to need to land and they can't land. Uh, 
Um, because if they try and land an airplane, they'll basically blow up the airport. It says, and then, you know, and all of this just so they can get this one general that's supposed to be flying in. Uh, they got extradited for a trial, and they're trying to do all this. I said, I said they really could have helped that because in the end, it took one person that ended up saving these people. I said, this really could have been. I said, and uh, I said he had a little bit of help, but for the most part, it was just him. I said, they really could have helped out then. She, Ruth's just sitting there. She goes, are you just telling me the plot for Die Hard? I said, I said, I said, don't be ridiculous. She goes, lethal weapon? I said, no. Obviously, it's Die Hard 2, Die Harder. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but I was, like, so serious about it. And, yeah. And, like, you know, not even cracking a smile. Like, just telling it, like, as if this actually happened. <laughs> and, <Damn>. I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like, but it came out in 1990. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, what an opportunity. They were, And then I got thinking, this movie really missed out on a good opportunity to uh, kind of tie that one in, too. But whatever. So, in the end, they get back. And they get back to time and all that. Back to the village whatnot. And then, in order to turn the elves back to good and, you know, back to the way they were, the, the Tyrese's kid had to go somewhere and grab some like mysterious plant thing and then bring yeah. it back and shoot it in the cans and then it's red though i was yeah, like uh, that's, that's i was about like, to say i'm like they had, they had blue dust to turn them evil so it's gotta be red to turn them back right <laughs> which then ties into tenant i was like oh my Dang. god the tenant tied in true oh no in two. wow try saying that five times real fast i was like uh, holy shit this movie tie, I said, I mean, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I said, this movie makes more more sense of a tenant tie-in than the movie tenant itself. So, so uh, yeah, that was Christmas yeah. Chronicles too. And there we go. I've actually done two kids movies in seven minutes. I, you are welcome. It's the quickest I've ever given. I've talked about a movie. <laughs> so, but we'll get to tenant. Yeah. First. Let us let us talk about Train to Busan presents. So spinoff, not a sequel. Right. It says presents. I learned that from Fast and Furious presents Hobbs yeah. and Shaw. So it's not. It's, it's in the universe. <laughs> it's in the universe, but it's not canon. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um. Anyways, Train to Busan presents Cohen Peninsula. 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 Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Yeah. It, or as one I call the words like hey. Yeah. Um, or as I referred to, as I referred to it in the uh, text I sent you, also known as Peninsula Colon, Korean Zombie Drift. So. Yes. So yes, let's talk about this movie. <laughs> All right. And. Well, you know, like I said, it's it's Train to Busan presents. It doesn't really mention any of the previous characters, but the only the only link is the virus that turns people to zombies. Yeah. That's the main link. Um, <clears throat> well, of course, it came out August seventh. It's uh, an hour and fifty minutes. It had a budget of sixteen million, and then it came out with a thirty-nine million dollar box office return. So, yeah, and it primarily 
think it was primarily released overseas first, then that's where bulk of his money. Um, basically, a former soldier is sent to the zombie-infected Korean peninsula to retrieve bags of money totaling out $20 million. Um, I'll say the, the beginning was pretty intense, you know? Yes. Like, very intense. I was like, man. But then I was thinking, they had a whole movie they could have done there also, even though they would have had tight confines. It would have been tight yeah. space, but it probably would have been a shorter movie. But they could have done a lot there also. Um, you know, because they... First of all, it starts off with uh, the Korean soldier with his family, his sister, nephew, and brother-in-law driving down the dirt road. They come across yeah. this car that that's, um, broke down the street, and, and the father of the family, you know, is trying to get help. I'm like, even if they wanted to, they couldn't fit him in that car. No. <laughs> you know, they, they probably have to stuff him in the trunk if if that. If that. Um, they would have been, sit, been sitting on each other's laps for sure. Right. Right. And um, you know, they notice some blood on him, and he's he's profusely saying, "No, it's not, it's not a bite, it's not, it's not that." And uh, but they completely bypassed him, yeah, and okay. just like, nah, <laughs> y'all y'all on your own, we we we're, we're we're going, yeah, <laughs> you know, good, sorry, yeah, we, we don't have the space, it's no, um, but then they make it to the, sh- and they get word that they're being rerouted to Hong Kong, and so. The soldier goes to try to figure out what's going on, and I guess it's the American military that's taking over, and they're telling him like, "Hey, just go back to your your cabin, the bunker, and just chill out." And then another word report comes out that somebody on board is infected, so he immediately tries to go back to his sister and nephew, and along the way, zombies attack, (laughs) and that scene right there. Like he goes back to the room and it, like everybody's taken out. They're starting to turn, and yep. he's trying to get his sister, but his nephew is infected. She's not yep. going to leave him. But uh, just um, that that one that was on the ground that flipped up and flipped the other two around him, and then I was like, yep. man, that that's one thing that I like that they kind of carried over to show just how how you know how strong they are. Yeah. And, once they get that bloodlust, which I'm calling it, it, it yeah. just whatever they're going after, they're gonna get you. <laughs> they go get you, and, and then uh, jumps ahead. They, yeah, uh, and bonus mission, this money back, and they're promised half. You know, you you like, yeah, okay, twenty million half, and it's something's in, something's up. You know, right. something's wrong there. But um, yeah, they got to go back to retrieve this money, and they almost get it, but then they get ambushed by uh, like a military group. They called them Unit Three Sixty Six Thirty One. Yeah, yeah. But um, I want you to talk about the the Fast and Furious. So yeah, so the best. <laughs> yes, I agree that they could have done. The entire movie just on the boat because nothing, nothing could be scarier. I mean, obviously you can jump over the boat, but if you think, big always makes something like if it's surrounded by sharks or some shit like that. Like you can make it to where, or they're literally out in the middle of nowhere. So even if they jump off the ship, I mean, they're still not. Yeah. Yeah, still in anywhere to go, close by. Right. Or you'd be like, like in with Arctic the, waters or some shit with like that. Yeah. Train. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like the first one on the train. Like there, that's just totally you know until they got to the train station and then it kind of opens up. But right. until then, that's I mean pretty- that's like. <laughs> survival horror at its best yes and so i agree yeah. the boat would have been could have been its own thing um but i think in a way to sep- help separate it from the original movie i think by not keeping it on the boat was probably smart yeah because uh, otherwise you wind up <laughs> you you wind up uh falling into the trap like speed and speed two cruise control <laughs> true <laughs> like, true yeah we might need to find another way to do this and then just on a cruise liner. Um, I think by opening it up and then fast forwarding it through some time, basically, you know, some time passes and these two guys are just trying to make some money to get by and get the hell out of Dodge more or less. So they take on this like job for this crime organization, I guess. Yeah, not really. Don't really know what they do. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Korean mob type thing ish. I don't know. It's really weird. Um, so they take this job to go to the potential and get all this money. The, but it's all on. You know, it's closed off. It's where all the zombies were. So they're. It's like them and probably what five other people. I think five or six other people, a team of people. I guess. Yeah. Uh, go to try and get basically to steal this money off the island and then bring it back. Um, but you know, in the process of doing such a thing, uh, obviously people die because you have zombies and stuff, yeah. and things don't go off with a hitch. <laughs> the hitch does not go off with a hitch. Um, so the they have this like moving truck more or less that has all the money and everything else. And it gets ambushed by people that have been left on the peninsula that have been fending for themselves. And then you have, I guess, these other good guys, more or less, that are there. They ended up rescuing our lead person. And they drive off. And in doing so, so I guess these zombies don't see well at night. So when it's dark out, that's usually the best time to travel because you can't see. You just don't drive through headlights on. Right. So what happens is that the villains end up shooting flares up in the sky and the zombies are attracted to where the flares land. And a car chase ensues and then um in doing so in doing so, um this girl that's driving that's one of the good guys that's driving is driving and she's like just flat out, you know, drifting on these turns and wiping out these zombies in the process. It's like Oh, like this is the coolest way to, coolest zombie, you know, coolest thing I've seen in a zombie movie in a while. You know, at least yeah. as far as something that has been done. And right. it's just so much fun to watch to watch these CGI zombies just flying up in the air and everything, and trying to attack them. It's a great car chase just in general, but you uh, <laughs> you factor in this too, and I'm like, oh my god, it's that's why I was saying it's like. It's a it's faster fury. It's more of a Fast and Furious presents uh, Korean zombie drift. Yeah. Not to be confused with zombie cars from Fate of the Furious, which is also a great car chase <laughs> debacle. Um, so yeah, not to be confused, but both great car chases: the zombie cars and the uh, Korean zombie drift. 
which to me still is my favorite part of the movie. Um, yeah. Not there are some kind of slower parts, but you have to have time to breathe at some point. Um, I think it's a decent sequel to the original. Um, is definitely different. It's a good take. The only thing I've, the only thing I have an issue with is the ending. The ending scene when they're running to the UN helicopter. Yeah. That felt like it took a quarter of the movie. <laughs> Forever. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, I see you're milking it, but come on for to get, you know, to try and they're like almost forcing you to elicit an emotional response to what's happening. Right. I'm like, well, and I'm like, well, the longer you take, the less invested I'm going to be. Because I'm just gonna want this. Because at this point, I'm just gonna want the damn thing to be over. <laughs> it dragged. Yeah, it dragged yeah, drag. way too much. Because like, well, just when you think it's over, it's like, oh, this is gonna happen. It's like, no, it's still going. <laughs> still yeah. going. So that's my one gripe about the movie that I didn't like. But the rest of the movie, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was a good zombie movie. I'm not a huge like zombie person, but if done right, I'll, you know, I'll, you know. I'll, uh, I'll watch it. Like, I like World War Z with Brad Pitt. I thought that, the I think one of my favorite scenes is actually towards the beginning of the movie, where it's him and the kids running through a building up a fire escape and stuff, and zombies are reaching out trying to, I was like, holy shit. It was like the most intense scene in the entire movie. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of popcorn, but the other stuff, you're like, oh my god, if this really were to happen, this is, you know, I'd be terrified too, running up arms reaching out while I'm trying to run my kids. Yeah, those are the zombies I wouldn't... These two, the yeah. ones in Train to Busan and then yeah. Royal Z, those zombies end up coming? No. Uh, no. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, give me give me the uh, Walking Dead zombies that are slower and shit. Um. <laughs> exactly. Where I, I, I die I because of it's my own fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just because I'm out of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh... I'm glad we watched it. That was a good one. I, I did enjoy it. So if you like zombie movies, you'll like this one for sure. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Um, let's see. Let's move on. Let's move on to something lighter before we had to get super deep. The short film. <laughs> this made me mad. <laughs> the short film of 17 minutes for its runtime on the Lifetime. <clears throat> Um, I'm be honest with you, I, I kind of forgot about it until I saw the picture tear tear your left. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I did watch that. <laughs> but so uh, so here we go. The Lifetime's a recipe for seduction, sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Or sorry, KFC. Starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Harlan Sanders. Ah. Uh, so I got Ruth to watch this with me. I said, oh, hey. She's like, oh, we're watching this tonight? I said, yeah, it's 17 minutes. You can stay awake for that. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing is, when I was watching it, I didn't pay attention to, like, what, how long it was. I would just sit. I just yeah. put it on, watching it. And I'm like, man, this is moving pretty fast. Like, what's, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> so then I then I paused it, and I saw the time remaining. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> that was like it, my arrival. It did say in its, in its advertising a mini movie. So, yeah, I didn't pay attention it, to that. They would have been better off saying a short film. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the same. Bert. That's what most people that make movies, that's what they call those. 
Right. 15 minute commercial. Well, the funny thing is it didn't even commercialize it that much. It, it almost, it didn't quite make fun of itself, but it was, it had moments though. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing was, I'm like, <laughs> as I'm loading up the picture to put in this collage that's we're using for the, that I'm using for the background, I'm looking at this and then I'm like, I almost think the production to make the poster cost as much as the production to make the mini movie. <laughs> also, yeah. they might have been using Mario Lopez's real house. I'm not sure. Think so. <laughs> to film this. Uh. So basically, this uh, our female lead is they're having, I guess, Christmas dinner. It's a holiday dinner. I don't know if it's at Christmas, but it's a around Christmas time holiday dinner. And uh, the person she's been dating, who's kind of a square, no, is very much a square, um, proposes to her, and she doesn't say yes, because she's not sure, because she doesn't know if she wants to marry him or not. But then everybody in the family gets upset, because she didn't say yes. Yeah. And then, um, and then in the morning, her mom gets mad, and then she meets... The new cook, Harwin Sanders. And then instantaneously develops feelings for him. And then, hair. Yeah, it is. It's just the uh, you know, the spraying gray hair. It's not even yeah. Not even dyed. It's like you could tell it's sprayed in. Like I could buy that shit at Sally's Beauty Supply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe I'll do this for Halloween next year. Who knows? <laughs> on the stash and the little goatee also mm-hmm. yeah they're all probably came from party city <laughs> um but here's the thing though like as hokey as this is and, and it was meant to be hokey yeah. like they they were fully aware they weren't trying to make a serious lifetime movie out of this like they were there just to have fun and make not necessarily a spoof on these type of movies but they kind of were but you could tell mario lopez was just having a blast and he's only in it like what five scenes like it i mean out of 17 yeah. minutes he's probably in it what five to be yeah, honest not a lot yeah <laughs> not a lot. In it. but yeah no it was great and they obviously set it up for them to do another one yeah obviously which yeah. is oh, fine yeah you know yeah you because be honest, would you really want to watch a feature-length movie? No, short burst of 15 minutes works. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. I think they were smart because yeah. they knew they knew they can keep people's interest and they kept it short. Whereas if they try to do a feature-length, they would have people for about the first half of the movie and then they'd probably turn it off. Because, but now by keeping it short, they have people's interest enough that you know to make another one. Yeah. And obviously, because it's only 17 minutes, the cost on how much it costs to make it, the cost on how much it costs to make it, it sometimes, um, the budget for it, it can be small because it doesn't, especially if they do film it at somebody's house, you know, um, you know, the budget for it can be small so they can keep making more of those. Yeah. I mean, think about how many times, how many people probably shared the trailer alone. Now they probably didn't go eat KFC, but they they at least probably watched the 17 minute thing. Yeah, you know, 
Um, I did come up with an amazing idea, though. I, while we were watching this, I told Ruth. I said, I, I said, I said, okay, for the next one, what I need them to do is have is do a more like a political drama. One of these for a lifetime or whatever channel, maybe TNT. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, where it's Mayor McCheese is running for re-election, and uh, and Chief Mac is that what it? The Big Mac police officer, Chief Mac. I feel like that's the name. I feel like that's the name. Where he's also in cahoots with Mayor McCheese, and uh, and the Hamburglar has like all these secrets, and he's about to drop it on WikiLeaks or some shit. Yeah. And then only the fry guys can help survive, can help solve the crime. We only put Ron McDonald in it because, or unless Ron McDonald's, the, ooh, Ron McDonald's the other candidate running for office, running for mayor. Okay. You're welcome. Work. Now go make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's your idea. Go make it. Yeah, do one for all the franchises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one would literally be cheesy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's amazing. But yeah, that's what I came up with while we were watching that one. So, yeah. Um, if you want something that takes 15, 7, if you haven't watched it and you want something that's, you know, just full of fluff, yeah, totally go watch that. I mean, it's it's great. It's I mean, it is what it is. It's it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I, I mean, it it would be hard to be disappointed. Um, yeah, I I was happy it wasn't a ninety minute movie, but exactly. it just surprised me because because I, I didn't like like I said I didn't pay attention to how long it was supposed to be, so when everything just yeah. kept moving. I'm like, okay, you know, just it just threw me off. But I was happy that it wasn't longer than that, because <laughs> I probably would cut it off at some point if it were. Exactly. Well, I probably yep. wouldn't have watched it. At least I wouldn't have watched it with Ruth. I would have watched it by myself. Because um, she, it wouldn't have held it. She would have fallen asleep. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we watched it at night. Um, oh, real quick, two cents. Because uh, more Christmas movies. Finally watched The Night Before. I liked it okay. Um, and then I watched Office Christmas Party last night. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot more. Than yeah. the night before. We'll put it that one. Um, I, yeah. I laughed more yeah. in Office Christmas Party than I did the night before. I would rewatch both of them. Um, but, and both of them have Julian Bill in it. So, of course, I'm going to watch it. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so there, real quick. That was my, oh my God, that was quicker than the Christmas Chronicles. I'm, too, I'm getting better at this. <laughs> um, so if you like those kind of goofy dude, not dude humor, but I mean they're one's a Seth Rogen movie, so it's a Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. Um, but what's what's Seth Rogen laughing? Not stoner laughing in it, so that's good. Um, and uh, basically, it's what happens when Green Green Hornet, the Falcon, and Nightwing make them hang out together and make them a Christmas movie. There you go. There you go. Perfect crossover. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, all right, let's get into the big one. Um, Tenet. Hmm. My brain's still kind of trying to recover. 
How many, so first of all, how many times have you watched it? I've watched it twice, and then one time where I was just kind of watching scenes. Yeah. Did you then watch? I had a, did you watch the behind the scenes feature? No, I did not. You should definitely watch that. It is, yeah, it's it's awesome. Okay. So, I I told Patrick I said I've I've already watched it and I'm watching it a second time. You're gonna have to watch this twice. I've told everybody that I've said go watch this movie. You need to watch it twice. Yeah. I, I said not just because it's that good, but because so I said one so you can enjoy it, two so you'll understand it. <laughs> or at least you try to. <laughs> yeah. I said don't even try to understand the movie the first time watching it. Just sit there mm-hmm. and just let it wash over you, and enjoy the hell out of it. The second viewing, you'll catch so many things on the second viewing. Yeah. One thing about this movie is that it's going to be hard to talk about without spoiling anything. True. Just know the colors red and blue are very important in this movie. Um, Brings us back to Christmas Christmas Chronicles. (laughs) So, um, essentially, John David Washington's character. um, Did we like? I've seen it like almost four times now. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but I really like this movie because there's just so much in it. Yeah, it's definitely one that you you won't mind watching over and over. Like I I usually don't watch movies again. Like let's let's depend on the movie. I, I've watched movies more than once, but this is one that you know. Like I said, I watched it from some scenes, and then I watched it last night from the first airport scene. Yeah. And and her and Friday, I had a conversation with my friend and. He was going over some things because there's a a YouTuber that has a video kind of breaking things down. And he told mm-hmm. me something. I was like, oh, OK. Yeah, it's 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 going to be hard to talk about it without. It's, deep. it's it's a very deep movie. Yeah. I think the best way I think my the best way I worded it to you after watching it was if you were to take a blender and make a smoothie into this movie. Or take Christopher Nolan's movies in order to make this movie. Place Memento, um, Memento, Inception, Interstellar into the blender. And then once it's all blended up and you pour it into a cup, you get this movie. Because that's all of those movies wrapped in, you know, basically all into one make this movie. Like yeah. it's all of those interest in. Intrinsities? Intrinsic? I can't talk today, man. It's very intrinsic. There we go. In nature. Like, it's very... There's a lot going on that you have to pay attention to. I wouldn't be surprised if years later we figure out that all these movies are in the same universe somehow. There's going to be some kind of connecting point. Oh, my God. That'd (laughs) be amazing. And then they go to Gotham? Yeah. Then it goes to Gotham. That'd be awesome. Um... But yeah, so basically, did we ever figure out he was CIA or was he? I mean, he's just the secret agent. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, doesn't really have a name. Yeah. So in the feature, in the uh, behind the scenes feature, because I watched it, it's like an hour and 15 minutes long. uh, If you watch all all the all of them together, um, because they're like broken up into like four minutes each. But if you watch it 
just hit the play all and watch it. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. Basically, Christopher Nolan wanted to make a James Bond movie. Is okay. what it is. And but he wanted to do it, <laughs> you know, James Bond movie the way he makes movies. And yeah. so that's why he took his, you know, his lead is supposed to be kind of he's very good hearted in in his in his um what he's trying to do and he's doing all this to save the world more or less save because the essentially the way i had to try and explain this movie to ruth who you know regretted immediately asking me what it was about yeah um i told her i said basically he played I said, Den- I said, Denzel's son, <laughs> John David Washington, basically is going after a bad guy who somehow develops the technology to invert time. I said, doesn't, it's not a time machine per se, but it inverts it. So, which means you go backwards. Like everything's back, like you go in this, like, almost like one of those revolving door type thing situations. But when yeah. you come out on the other side, gravity and everything is different feels different reacts differently so instead of fire like they show in the trailer instead of firing a bullet you're catching it yeah it's coming from where you shot to back into the gun which is then you have to have oxygen because it's it's, everything's opposite so you're not taking in you're releasing so you have to have yeah so and that plays a you know, it plays kind of a crucial part. And yep. friction and everything is different. So driving a vehicle is different. That was uh, crazy, too. Fighting is different. Uh, it's, yep. like, it's not uh, a cause and effect. I didn't I forgot how they explained it as far as, like, cause and effect. Um, you know, because you're still... Because in the video, because they showed her, you know, when he's first starting to learn this in this room you know there's a bullet laying on the table and you know they're filming him and he makes it he has to pretend like he's actually dropping it and then as he's like dropping it it goes up into his hand like he's catching it so on the film it looks like he's dropping it and then catching it yeah so it's yeah it's very confusing at first but the more it's confusing when you watch it once. When you watch it twice, it makes a little more sense, um, but not complete sense, but it still makes more sense. And this movie will have you thinking. Like, I've seen it three full times, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I still have questions. Like, I still have questions about, like, well, if this happened, then what happened after this? You know, because right. there's a point about halfway through the movie where his character does go through basically the revolving door type machine and he winds up everything he does is going backwards. But it's in doing so events that have already occurred in the movie are still like, he's now seeing those events occur, but he's seen them because he's now going backwards and, and you know, it's inverted. They're still occurring, but they're, you know, and they're occurring around him, but he's not a part. It's so weird trying to explain this. But it's yeah. amazing to watch. For him, he's ex- 
experiencing it somewhat normally, but everything's kind of going revert. Yes, everything's reversed. Like the, the fight scene, I'm just like, I, I was just amazed at how they did it, how they pulled it off. Yeah. You know, I was just. Watch the, hey, when you get so time, watch definitely going to watch the behind. Yeah, yeah definitely watch the. Yeah, I, I was will. like, I got to watch this. So I would say after watching the feature, the I, I completely understand more and more why he was so hell-bent on having this movie released in theaters. It's because, I would say, probably about 65-70% of this movie was shot on an IMAX camera. Yeah. And those things are ginormous. When you watch the feature, you'll see that this their, their cinematographer having this, <laughs> this freaking heavy-ass camera on mm-hmm. him. And he's not, I mean, he's not, he's fairly out of shape, like in, uh, like he's not, you know, he's not a uh, athlete, let's put it that way. Okay. Um, But he's hauling this thing around. He's spry as can be going up and downstairs carrying this camera that probably weighs as, as much, if not more than, at least as much as me, probably. I mean, it's, that thing looks, and it uses like real film. It's not shot digitally like on the what they call them the digital reds it's not shot on that where it makes it lighter and a lot more and they're like mounting the imax cameras on vehicles on boats on airplanes like things are not normally meant to be mounted on yeah they're you know they're putting it on there because they're he wants it to be as immersive as possible and always trying to break new bounds um i think they even had to develop uh some new form of technology just to get a couple of these shots and yeah it's amazing it uh the special effects are i mean because most of the effects are practical like they're not cgi yeah there is some because it just has to be um and i think a lot of that's just more safety reasons <laughs> right but you know just stuff that really can't yeah in order to do it because so when they shoot these scenes they have to shoot them four times i think is what they were saying in the feature they had to shoot it four times. They had to shoot it once, um, once forwards, and then depending on, I guess, depending on which scene. I know the fight scenes they had to shoot four times. Yeah. Um, once forwards, once, and then uh, from one point of view, once forwards from the other point of view, so twice, and then in reverse with the char- right. same characters. Yeah. And that's why I sent, also mentioned that, you know, I don't know who deserves an Oscar more for this movie. Um, the the editor or the script supervisor who, who's in charge of making sure all the props and everything are in the exact same place for every scene. Right. And, you know, for a movie that's just linear that, you know, once they shoot a scene and they're done, they're done. Yeah. But you have to shoot the scene forwards you know, two different ways, and then you had to shoot it backwards two different ways. <laughs> and all your items had to be in the same place for every single Yeah, like, nothing can be off. <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> that, nope. that would have been... And just getting one thing wrong, you have to start all over. Right? I yeah. mean, that's, you do, I guess, good editing, too. Um, but, yeah, this... Oh, this movie's great. And I paid attention, I think on the third view, and I paid attention a lot more to the sound, uh, like the music and everything. 
and how the music's even different once they switch from basically the forward motion and then switch to reverse. Um, yeah. Music's different too. Like it takes a different kind of tone or a different kind of wave of doing things. It's yeah. it's fast. I, this movie I can't talk about this movie enough. It's so fascinating to watch this, and it's it'll be more fun to talk to people that have already seen it and get their theories and get their you know their thoughts on it. Yeah. But yeah, no, this another another uh, home run for Christopher Nolan. So. And that can I understand like some of the negative reviews. I think because they didn't get it. <laughs> I think most of the negativity is just from people that didn't understand it, because right. or they just they watched it once. It's like no, and they didn't go back and watch it again. And then you know like if somebody watched it more than once and still didn't like it, I guess it's just not their thing. But um, but yeah, it's definitely one you got it. If you, you watch it once, give it another you know before you kind of judge it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give it even second, after, you even have to after, give it a second after, view just to fully appreciate it. Yeah, because you can so many first, things afterwards. Yeah, because even after the first time I watched it, I, I was, I mean, I didn't understand everything, but I like, I enjoyed it. Like that was just part of my enjoyment of it is just knowing that this is not going to be, uh, you know, one, one, sim- one simple done. movie. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's just going to be a done. simple. Yeah, it's not simple. Well, <laughs> you know, it's going to last... be one that you're gonna. The last couple, aside from Dunkirk, you know, if you take into account Inception and Interstellar, take those last two out of three movies that he's done, they're not exactly a very uh, understandable film. You know, as far as, you know, you can watch it once and figure out what's going on and then just be good watching it. I mean, you kind of have to watch both those movies multiple times. To see to see where he's laying the seeds, you know, for everything, and then and then watching it again and going, ah, uh, that's where he planted that one. That's where he planted that one. That's where that comes back in the. Yeah. It's basically he's a much better version of M Night. <laughs> you know, where because yeah. M Night does that where he tries to plant the seeds. So at at the big reveal at the end, you know, you you you're like, oh, I get it now because it makes more sense. It's a, and not, I'm not knocking M Night completely, um, because I like some of his work, some, but Christopher Nolan's is just it's so when he writes the script or him and his brother write the script, it's so laid out. I mean, it's so methodically thought out research, and not a lot of it's obviously a lot of this research and the stuff they're talking about, the science aspect. From it, he he even said, you know, I relied on some, but I didn't try and make it. I wasn't trying to make a science movie, you know, for it to be completely accurate. But I wanted it to have, I wanted to have some accuracy in it. But in the end, it's a, it's just a movie. It's not a documentary. So, um, but he be so methodical when he plans out his scripts and everything, and to make it, make sure that that's, yeah. No, I love this movie. Took him like over five years just to write the script. Yes. I mean, obviously. <laughs> put some time in. Puts yeah. Some- um. Yeah. Um. I actually have two more movies. I don't even know if we're gonna have time for it. Um. I'll just briefly talk about Run. It's on Hulu. It's 
starring uh, Sarah Paulson. Um, it was supposed to come out of theaters originally, obviously, and did not came because um, of the pandemic. So they, I guess, just sold the movie to Hulu. And I watched it. It's okay. It's a fine movie. Is it? It's a. It's not very scary. Scary. It's basically yeah. like. It's somewhat kind of. If you watch the act also on Hulu, it's kind of like that, but not all the way like that. Because um, there is a little bit of a twist at the end and makes you know kind of makes it help make a little more sense. I think she did a good job acting. The girl, the uh, the young girl that's in it, did a fine job. Um, it's one you could probably have on in the background. You don't need to pay too much, but it's it's enjoyable. It's fine. I mean, nothing too much to kind of brag about. Um, and then uh, let's see here. Oh, then I finally watched Mank uh, about Mankiewicz who wrote the script for um, for uh, Citizen Kane, starring Gary Oldman, directed by David Fincher, shot in black and white. It's a beautiful masterpiece of a film to watch. The story is a little dry, I guess is a good way to put it. It this movie is not going to be for everybody. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I think that's going to kind of be obvious because you know now a whole lot of people want to watch black and white movies, even though with today's technology, black and white movies I think look absolutely stunning and bring a lot more to. Um, depending on what story is, can bring a lot um, and at, and be really its own character. Gary Oldman is amazing in it. He'll probably get nominated for awards and all that. Um, it's a movie for film nerds. Let's. I'm just gonna. I mean, that's kind of what it is. It deals with the struggles of him trying to come up with a script. Um, deal with. Uh, he was in a car accident, so he's having to recover from that and write the script. The kid that plays uh, Orson Welles looks and sounds just like him. Like, it's creepy. It's awesome, though. I mean, he did a fabulous job, and he was only in it for a few scenes. I was like, I'd rather watch a movie with him playing Orson Welles, (laughs) you know, in a biopic or something. I know Zac Efron uh, played him in a TV movie uh, about War of the Worlds. Um, It's been forever since I've seen it. this movie is beautifully shot. It was actually written by David Fincher's dad, um, and then fin- and then David Fincher directed it. Yeah, it's beautifully shot. It also kind of delves into uh, Mankiewicz's uh, political affiliations and uh, more Democrat-leaning views versus Louis B. Mayer's uh, more Republican views, and trying to help. Each person essentially trying to help get their candidate elected and all the stuff. And it kind of goes into that, which I find a little bit less interesting than I do about the process of trying to make this movie. But at the same time, all of the stuff that happens in the movie helps inspire him to make the script for Citizen Kane. So, And they thought it was going to be a flop and nobody was going to go see it. And then it became, you know, a hit. And and as of right now, still uh, AFI's number one movie of all time. So not mine, but, you know, it's it's grown on me through the years. 
Casablanca is still my favorite. So even though it's at number two, that's yeah. But I do appreciate it a lot more than I did um, the first time I've watched it. So uh, if you like if you like David Fincher films, you'll like this one. Um, it's got like I said, it's got good acting. It's beautifully shot. It's on Netflix. It's two two and a half hours. So it's a little, a little long. Um, feels like it sometimes, but uh, it's good to at least watch once. Just yeah. enjoy the acting and and how it was shot. So. All right, I'm done. <laughs> All right. So uh, released <clears throat> December 18th. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, I'm happy. I finally got to watch that. Um, <clears throat> so now in 34 minutes, directed by George C. Wolf. Uh, this is the second movie produced by Disney, uh, trying to bring ten of August Wilson's plays to the big screen. Mm-hmm. This being the second one that he's produced, and the first one was uh, Fences that came out in 2016, also starring oh, yeah. Viola Davis. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and this one stars again Viola Davis as Ma Rainey, Chadwick Boseman in his final film role on you know, mm-hmm. as Levy. Uh, I have Glenn Turman as Toledo, Coleman Domingo as Cutler. Uh, you may remember uh, Coleman from Fear of the Walking Dead, which that's the first time I ever had oh, seen okay. him acting. Um, you have Michael Potts as Slow Drag, Jeremy Shamos as Irvin, who's uh, Ma Rainey's uh, manager, John Coyne as Mel Sturdivant, Sturdivant as the owner of the studio, uh, Taylor Page as Dusty May, which is Ma's um, young girlfriend and uh, Dusan Brown plays her nephew Sylvester Uh, so basically this takes place in Chicago where Ma and her her band are going to record four songs and um, and there's tensions between Ma Rainey and her ambitious horn player played by Chadwick Boseman and the white management determined to control the the uncontrollable mother of the blues and again, it's based on the play by August Wilson. Um, so I, I, I actually thought it was, well, it was, it was a play first because when I was watching Fences, which was also a play, yeah. you can just tell, you can, like I could just see it being on a stage and all these scenes playing out. There's really not a lot, lot of video, the actual. And they do show Molly, her hotel, and some street mm-hmm. scenes, but it's very limited on the location. Yeah. Uh, the performances, of course, Viola Davis, you know, I, this is only the third movie that I've seen her in. But, of course, she has many, many other roles, and I need to go back and get myself caught up on the roles. Um, and, of course, Chadwick Boseman, a lot of emotion. Like I just was sitting there like he he just really just put it all out there yeah. on this one. You know, character has a like backstory to kind of give you a little more um I guess flesh out his how he acts, how he acts. Um everybody I mean everybody did a good job in this. And right solid. now yeah, it's solid. Yeah. Right now on Rotten Tomatoes out of um 192 reviews it's 99 percent 
and then the audience score out of 205 reviews 80 percent so it's 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 definitely worth checking out if you have netflix definitely watch it um yeah that's it i don't want to say too much more about it but um it's definitely you could i was like man he i said wow you can really tell a difference in his features i'm like that's that's none of that like other than his hair you know none of that is you know a character choice it's it's you could tell how much weight he's lost and everything and it's just like oh i was having a hard time because i'm halfway through it um and i was just like god he just you know my heart was breaking just watching it because i was just like he looks rough yeah you know because most times you just think okay it's a character choice you know there was right. a and like uh christian bale does for certain roles and you're like god he just uh yeah, it's just yeah. He, he was literally kind of hate to say it this way, but he was kind of wasting away as the time went by. Like yeah. even in the Five Bloods, you know, he was pretty pretty small. You know, like he'd lost weight he, there. Right. You know, you, you could tell. But um, yeah, it's, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard watching it though, yeah. just knowing you know everything we know. Yeah. But um, it's all out there. Um, and then I finished out the Small Axe series. Awesome. Uh, the first, uh, first of which, Alex Weedle, which, um, of course, all these are directed by Steve McQueen. Uh, basically, he follows Alex Weedle, who's a black British novelist who was sentenced to a term of imprisonment after a 1981 uh, Brixton Uprising riot. And you know, they, they show you the story on Weedle uh, kind of flitter out and dances leading up to his arrest. Um, there was, he's got a cellmate named uh, Simeon. There's the one part where, you know, he pretty much breaks down as far as, you know, slaves brought over from Africa. It was mostly about money, cheap labor. You know, it wasn't so much, I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't, wasn't about racism, but, you know, was, but the big thing was about getting cheap labor out of, out yeah. of the ones they brought over. And, and he broke down about, you know, going to school, like what you need to do is supplement what you're being taught by teaching yourself, you know, yeah. learn what you need to learn in school, but also teach yourself. Um, and then should be in the process of unlearning everything you've learned because, you know, a lot of, a lot of BS. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, he was born in 1963 to Jamaican parents, spent most of his time, most of his childhood in, uh, Shirley Oaks Children's Home, which opened in 1903, then closed in 1982. Uh, he took a liking to reggae music, even and by the age of 16, he founded it. He was a founding member of the Crucial Rocker Sound System, and his DJ name was Yardy Irie, Yardman Irie. Um, and uh, uh, just to, this, this movie shows camaraderie amongst youth during the 80s. Uh, even though conflict does exist between them, it's more about the uprising against the establishment or the system, which leads to his his arrest. Um, he re- he received a, an award for um, the, the MBE, which is the most excellent order of the British Empire award for mm-hmm. his um, services to literature. And he's written over 15 novels. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the last the education 
Uh, it's an hour and three minutes. Um, it's basically about a <clears throat> it's a coming of age story of twelve year old Kingsley Smith who, who has astronauts and rockets, but he gets into a lot of trouble. Uh, he's sent to the headmaster's office for disruptive behavior, mm-hmm. but is later promptly sent to a school for those with special needs. Um, the t- uh, lead character Kingsley he can't read. Uh, his IQ score has been deemed below average and is promptly sent to the special needs school. Both of his parents work, so they don't have a lot of time to be aware of what's really going on with the situation. He does tell his sister about the school that he's sent to because they don't really learn anything. It's just like they're just there to do whatever. The teachers don't teach. They're not learning. And one scene, the teacher's basically singing a song. And that scene lasted at least... It felt like 10 minutes and he was just singing like they're not teaching them anything. I was, I was, it got me frustrated. I'm like, man, teach them something. Right. But, um, but, um, it's film is based on real life events of the 1920s when some London council uh, followed an unofficial policy to transfer disproportionate members of black children from mainstream education to schools for the so-called educationally subnormal. And this was exposed by educationalist Bernard Cord in his 1971 pamphlet of how the West Indian child was made educationally subnormal in the British school system. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 this whole series is definitely is worth watching. Like, okay. it just shows you life in British London from the 60s to the 80s and just everything that they've dealt with as far as... Um, racism, um, discrimination, and yeah, it's right now, the whole series is 96% overall on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, yeah, just check them all out. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And that's it for me. Okay, man. Oh my gosh. Last one before Christmas. Good. All right. Well, we've actually got trailers this week. Um, So finally, the trailer for the much anticipated uh, festival favorite, Nomadland, um, Chloe Zhao's follow up um, starring Francis McDormand. Uh, After losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West living as a van dwelling modern day nomad. So that's supposed to be coming out February, but you know it's going to get eliminated early so you can get that Oscar bait. Right. That hook out for that Oscar bait. <laughs> um, Chloe Zell also made a movie back in Twin City 2017 called The Rider that was, you know, a lot of people's favorites. Uh, so, yep. And then uh, let's see here. Next we have. Outside the Wire with uh, Anson, with uh, Anthony Mackie. It's gonna, um, Palou Asbiak. Yep, that's the name. Uh, Michael Kelly, um, Damson Idris, Emily Beecham. In the near future, a drone pilot sent into a war zone finds himself paired with a top-secret Android officer on a mission to stop a nuclear attack. 
So that'll be out January 15th on the Netflix. Okay. So Falcon, Falcon and the drone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and because there's not enough Pinocchio movies out in the world, um, we have a new, uh, Pinocchio coming out, uh, with, nope, that's not the one. Actually, we're going to have two, apparently. Really? Uh, yes. Wow. This one, apparently, I guess, came out last, it says it was, uh, it has a 2019 date, but it's, I don't know, oh, release date Friday, Okay. This one with Roberto Benigni as Geppetto, um, directed by Matteo Garone. Uh, I think it's an Italian movie, an Italian version of it. Um, yeah. So, you know, just, it's Pinocchio. Everybody knows the story. But, yeah, and I guess they're, Disney's doing its live-action one, adaptation and Tom Hanks is playing Geppetto. So it's in pre-production. And another one. <laughs> so it's, I, then an, well, Hold on. I'm not done. There's a third one. That's what I was about to say. That's said to be released in 2021 with... Uh, who's, oh, Guillermo del Toro's. A darker version of the classic children's fairy tale of a wooden puppet transforms into a real living boy. Ewan McGregor voices Cricket. Kate Blanchett does a voice. Tilda Swinton does a voice. Christoph Waltz plays the fox. Um, Ron Perlman does a voice. Finn Wolfhard from uh, Stranger Things voices Lampwick. Vern Gorman does a voice. John Turturro with a voice. Um, David Bradley, who played uh, Filch in the Harry Potter movies, is voicing Geppetto. Mm -hmm. And Tim Blake Nelson does a voice. And then Gregory Mann voices Pinocchio. That's in 2021. It's a PG-13 one. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Pinocchios. Yeah. All right. I mean, I that'll make the... it seven. That'll make it seven. I guess the Pinocchio rights are just just spread around like yeah man it's nothing. like bro Pinocchio's like herpes man it's everywhere yeah, it's just spreading <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh. that's so gross uh yeah that's why I always say <laughs> oh I forgot it never mind um let's see oh and then finally uh this one has been brought to my attention by you and um, York's grandmother also told me about um, Nobody coming out in 2021, actually February 26, 2021, starring Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen, Christopher Lloyd. Um, see anybody else? Nope. Um, a bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men, becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord. So, there you go. That one looks interesting. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, February 26th is when that comes out. And that's it, man. That's what I got. And two turntables and a microphone. 
Um, wait, that's where it's at. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Other than um, well wishes and happy merry whatevers to you and your friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, Mandalorian season finale took place this past weekend. Yes, it did. If you haven't watched it, watch it. <laughs> get on it. You best get on it. I had to tell Ruth because she didn't care. Yeah. Like, just tell me what happened. You know I'm not going to watch it. All right. She goes, I just know there's people crying and people getting mad. I said, well, that's Kevin Smith, yes, was crying. <laughs> he cries when the sun rises, too. He's just a happy person. That's Yeah. And that's okay. I said, I didn't cry, but I was like, oh, okay. All right, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I was just like, all right, cool. Yeah. I, I watched it. And I was, first, I was kind of thrown off, and I was like, okay, when did this all take place? And then I was like, okay, that makes sense. Well, we know <laughs> it turns. We know it takes place after Return of the Jedi, since both. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I kind of, I had kind of forgot that when that when that moment happened. I was like, yeah. had a, still had tenant on the brain, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. Um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, so it makes sense. Yeah. It's a little creeped out though. You know what I'm talking about? Creeped out just a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully yeah. they'll fix that. Hopefully they'll fix it. Fix it. Yeah. Agreed. And then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess Boba Fett's getting his own show too now, yep. and they they handing out Star Wars shows like hope like Oprah hands out free cars. <laughs> right, you get a show, you get a show, you all get a show. They got about a hundred shows coming out. Yeah, yeah, between that, not like Marvel, Star Wars oh. and Marvel. It's gonna be a lot. Hey man, they got to keep the parents involved to want to pay that money. Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, like, well, we, can't get them, we can't get people in theaters. We'll always get them on the TV. <laughs> there you go. So, That's of course, they were really this year. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So next week, our final episode of the year, mainly because the year is almost over. Um. Mm-hmm. And then uh, regular episode, and then uh, New Year's Eve, we will drop our best worst episode. So our our list of movies we think are what we consider the best, um, our favorites at least of the year, and our least favorites, and then we'll, of course honorable mentions because sometimes you really like a movie but not enough to put it on the best list, but yet you think that you should say something because they were still solid movies. So, which is great that we're doing it because we still have another week of movies that are. That'll be dropping Friday. So it lines up kind of good, kind of right, because by the time we record that, yeah, it'll be the end of the year. We so it's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect. Because yeah. uh, Wonder Woman will drop Christmas Day. Uh, we can be heroes. The Shark Boy and Lava Girl uh, sequel um, drops Christmas Day, and um, Soul drops Christmas Day. So I'm ready, I'm ready to watch that. Yeah. Um I did oh, I did watch Mulan. Uh the new Mulan. So I'll talk about that next week. Okay. I did get that problem solved by the way. Good. Watching the Good. halfway through the old one and the T V went out. Hasn't returned since. They had to get it replaced. Wow. So learned our lesson. So that was not a OG Mulan. Uh, honest. Yep. <laughs> OG Milan is a murderer. <laughs> yep. 
killed our TV. Yeah. I blame Eddie Murphy. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I got a couple other movies I'll talk about that I've also seen because I've seen so many. I got to move them, save some for next week. So, and then, um, yeah, and then we'll have our best worst of the drop Christmas Eve. And then starting in January, we've already got our first guest uh, booked. So we're getting getting around to getting some people saying yes again. Actually, I'm reaching out to people again, I guess is what I should say. And I got our first yes to, the, to be scheduled. Probably would have done it uh, this year, but I'm like, it's the holidays. Let's let's let you enjoy yours, and we'll 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 just go ahead and let's schedule this for January. So yeah, boom. So we're already on the on a roll for for January. So 2020 is going starting off right already. Yep. I'll be looking forward to that. All right, for myself and my family, and for my outstanding co-host, Patrick Terry, we wish you all safe, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, if you celebrate, if you don't, that's cool too. Have a good week, safe week, stay safe. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.